Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Healing Feeling. I'm Torsi and I created this podcast talking all things well-being, what makes us feel the absolute best in ourselves, and how we overcome challenges and heal with positivity and strength. It was so fab to interview my coach Julia Kai Taylor for this episode. A lifetime runner, Julia ran as soon as she could walk and has some fantastic achievements, such as competing at marathon distance internationally and completing the distance in two hours and 36 minutes. We investigate how to release the tension of pressure that can exist within competitive running and explore this in regard to injury and mental health. We also discuss other events in Julia's life, such as her barefoot experience and running across the length of Spain in her bare feet, as well as leading a nomadic and minimalist lifestyle. I have been working with Julia for a year and a half and she's a truly fantastic mentor for me and so many other individuals. I really hope you love this episode. for coming on the podcast Julia it's so exciting <laughs> brilliant Dorothy. it's really lovely thank you thank you thank oh of course you're a very fitting guest because I mean I've been kind of on this journey for the last few years of learning about myself and I mean you've been my guide for that so I feel like you're my perfect guest really <laughs> thank you no I'm delighted delighted and lovely lovely to know you and I'm very delighted to have been on your journey with you exactly and this podcast kind of all about how we overcome challenges and come through them with positivity and strength and I mean you've certainly been through a few challenges in your life and that's what's kind of made you the incredible coach you are for me and so many other people today so it's going to be really exciting to kind of talk about that and how you kind of came to where you are today with your work I guess the reason I was so drawn to you as a kind of coach and mentor during a really difficult time in my life is because obviously I was really seeking kind of guidance with the mental side of things but also you had such a holistic essence in the sense you really tune into our spiritual self, but also you then had this running journey. And as a runner from a young age, I was like, oh my goodness, she's a runner. Like, I want to hear all about her stories and everything. So it'd be really cool if we could speak about your journey with running. And also, I'd really love to get into your barefoot journey with running and also kind of your nomadic lifestyle with like a minimalist lifestyle. 
Torsi asked me if there's anywhere I didn't want to go. I was like, no, I'll go anywhere. <laughs> you can go anywhere. Amazing. Also, what's really cool is that I think some people would find interesting who are listening is that you went to St. Ives School, which is my, the prep school I went to, which is a crazy coincidence. Actually, Torsi, I was thinking this morning that I came and gave prizes at St. Ives and gave a talk when you would have been there. But it is an amazing thing that we shared that experience. <laughs> That's so, isn't that so strange that like you never would have known? It's crazy. Life's so weird. I love it. I <laughs> <laughs> so I've had the pleasure of hearing about your running journey in kind of bits during our sessions and stuff. But I would love to hear about how you came to a place of coming into running and starting your running journey like from a super young age. Well, the story of my family goes that... The moment I could walk, and I walked at nine months, I could run. So the moment I walked, I was on my tippy toes and I ran everywhere. So that's the kind of family story. But for myself, when I was six was when I absolutely knew that all I wanted to do was run. And then when I was eight, I used to get my dad to take me to the playing fields to time me. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to run. And then from when I was about 12, I used to take myself off for little runs in the woods. So I used to run across on Ludshot Common and just go off and train on my own. So that, I think that's young, isn't it? That's the beginning of it all. Yeah, and it kind of shows that you had this kind of inner place where you wanted to run for yourself from a young age. Because I mean, when you're that age and you're going off on your own kind of runs, you weren't being guided by a coach there, were you? So it was clearly kind of your natural inclination to want to go and run, which I love. Yes, I, no, I had nobody else wanting me to run. It was me who was... I just knew I wanted to run and there was no one else involved. No, I think I was the same when I was younger. I used to, used to love it, like running on the beach. And I remember like at St. Ives, we used to have, do you remember the Oval Lawn? Yes, I do. <laughs> we used to kind of go on um, PE sessions around it. And I'd always, classic me, kind of very competitive, run straight out to the front. And my sports teacher used to be like, oh, she won't last. Look at her being all cocky. And I just wouldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I know a running child is a running child I was always being pulled back on family runs and I can remember on one family holiday when I was setting my alarm at six again probably eight or nine to go out in the lanes in the morning and my dad told me we're on holiday and I should be resting <laughs> resting is very good when we need to especially if we're getting too competitive or pushing our bodies too hard but running is fun so it just doesn't really seem like a resting thing if you know what I mean like when he's saying we're on holidays like we're on holiday so I want to run <laughs> a child sort of knows when to rest generally I think anyway I think um I think my poor dad just didn't know what to do with this very lively child <laughs> no it's funny that you say that like a child knows how to rest because I kind of think it's the same with a lot of things like when a child kind of falls over and hurts themselves like they kind of just get up and they're, and they're fine but I think I mean for me I mean as I've got older like as soon as I kind of hurt myself in any way or feel a bit sick I'm, I immediately my mind kind of goes a bit like oh like what's happening whereas when you're a child you just don't really have that do you and I guess it's the same with running and yeah knowing when your body needs to rest whereas when you're a bit older sometimes you like have to really think about when you need a rest I think people get conditioned don't they we can learn a lot from children because there's often no self-concept they don't think in terms of whether um, they're doing something well or not well like a child learning to walk you know, gets up and tries to walk and falls down and doesn't say, oh, you stupid child to itself. It just gets up again and tries again. And that concept really, if we kept that through our lives, would make life a lot easier. <laughs> I think so. I agree. When did running start to become a kind of competitive thing for you? 
Well, when I was 12, the Farnham and District sports were happening. Don't know whether you did that, but I went along and I wanted to run in the Farnham and District sports and I ran in the 800 and I ran, I was running barefoot then, by the way, because I know you're going to ask me about. I will. I love that. Yeah, because I was, I was barefoot as a child. I ran everywhere born in West Africa and was barefoot, came back to the UK, always barefoot. And I decided I'd join an athletics club. So that was, that was the kind of when I was like, I'd like to improve. I think I preferred being a track runner. I probably didn't fulfill my potential on the track. I probably my favourite distance is sort of up to about 10 miles, really. I was better at distance, really. We can get onto that now, really. So what kind of then started bringing you towards marathon running because I will give the time now Julia's PB for a marathon is two hours and 36 minutes which is absolutely ridiculous <laughs> well it's um it's a long time ago it feels like another life in a way so what brought me on to marathons well I loved running on the track as I said but I had a very destructive coaching relationship with my coach so I think that that sent me off course really so that meant that I left, I was at Hazelmere Border Athletics Club. I was the first woman who created the of Hazelmere Border, 1974, July the 4th. I went up with Wendy, Wendy Richards, who came with me to give me moral support. And I went up to Hazelmere Border and I was in my element and I ran barefoot. It was a grass track then at Hazelmere. It was an amazing beginning and it was just like, fabulous but then the coach a new coach came along and and in the end it was quite a destructive and not a healthy relationship and at the same time my mother died so all of that kind of meant that my track career I didn't pursue it in the way that probably I would have you know I would have done or like but as I as you know I I think it was never probably going to happen anyway because life happens it's how life happens but then what happened was that I left the running club didn't know quite know what to do next so I went up to Loughborough and it was a difficult time I was having a difficult time at the same sort of age as when I met you towards the about 20 and in the end I did two terms at Loughborough dropped out was very lost and my running was you know struggling massively and everything was struggling I was struggling with where to go what to do with an eating issue all sorts of things yeah. so what happened next was that I, I started to get running again properly. And then it seemed, it felt to train for the London Marathon, it was the second London Marathon, felt something I wanted to do. So that was really how it happened. It, was, it came out of me being lost, really, to be honest. Yeah. And, but then I had a, an ability for marathons, so I kind of then stayed with them. Yeah, you had an incredible ability for marathons. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifyingly fast. I was kind of thinking about like, your one mile splits for that marathon and I was like that is just absurd. 5.59 I think isn't it? I think it's just crazy. (laughs) (laughs) How did you kind of train yourself to be able to run that fast? Well I think that really to be a good marathon runner you need to be a good 10k runner and in the same year that I ran my 2.36 and I also ran a 33.29 10k but I ran a lot of half marathons in 73.74 yeah courses my training for marathon is i think right train for a 10k and then do a long run is really it you know because then if you're a natural marathon runner as i was then naturally the marathon you know the marathon comes out of that so i make it sound all very easy don't i <laughs> <laughs> yeah just you know you just you just run the 236 after a bit you know it's just you know <laughs> <laughs> it was a natural thing for me 
Would you have any tips for people who wanted to do a marathon? Because I think for some, it's such a daunting distance. And also, I think mentally and just emotionally, incredibly draining. It depends, you see. We're in a different era now. Because running, since running became very popular, which is an incredible thing, then there's a different approach to running a marathon. Because um, if you want to just run a marathon, then you can apply yourself and I would say, obviously the long run is vital and increasing the long run I would always say you know going up for a couple of weeks and then bringing it down so over a three-week cycle so that you're able to be running you know 20 miles with with relative ease but this is somebody it depends whether it's somebody who's wanting to complete a marathon Someone who wants to complete a marathon there's lots and lots of advice out there luckily nowadays and it's a it's a very different thing to if you're wanting to race a marathon it's really mileage 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 and it's <laughs> overall mileage that counts and not getting injured obviously yeah and of course clearly they often say that you need about eight or nine long runs long you know, 20s before the marathon if you're an athlete like I was training for a marathon I was running minimum of 70 miles a week I went my highest mileage was up to 120 and that was for London actually I ran the 236 that I ran I'd done six weeks on 100 miles a week then I brought it down and then for the the next however many weeks leading up to the marathon I averaged only 70 miles a week because I brought the mileage down and I improved the quality and would always keep the long run in and I would do two sessions a week one a threshold run of something like five miles at marathon pace and then I would do something like six times a mile with a three minute recovery or ten times half a mile that kind of thing there we are whistle stop run through training for a marathon <laughs> <laughs> no it's great and I what I love about I mean people who don't know Julia um, has really helped me with my run. I mean I'm actually injured at the moment but but when I was kind of coming through a lot of issues of my hips which was certainly very emotional as well as physical we really built the running slowly and I think that's such a good way to go about it is to really build slowly and what you always say to you is you always say you don't need to be running fast I think there's a kind of a lot of focus on interval training which is great for speed and obviously if you're a sprinter you're going to need to be really focusing on that explosive speed but something you made me realize is that I don't need to like go fast on every run I can go on a 10k and run at over six minute pace and still get really good benefits from it and I think that's really helpful because I think sometimes we just yeah feel like we need to really be completely out of breath all the time on on our training and I've kind of learned over time that you can just go on a run and just enjoy it and you still get amazing benefits from running at a slower pace yeah I've always been a great advocate of long slow distance because now again it, you know in my day there was no Garmin so there was no Strava and I always ran slowly I've never been ever 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 somebody who liked to push myself in my steady running ever, even as a young person, I didn't enjoy it. So I've always run easily, easy running and not too many intervals. I've often found like one interval session enough, maybe a threshold run like I was doing before London. If I did two interval sessions, it was often too many. And, you know, in the six weeks of that base, that hundred miles a week, I did no interval training. I just built my, yeah. just built my mileage up. And I've always, always been, run easily and it's always worked for me I can remember being interviewed in a running magazine years and years and years and years and years ago about <laughs> that and you know that I just said no I'm I'm an easy runner it works for me I think it does I think it would work for more people actually 
I agree. I think, yeah, it definitely works for me. It just releases that kind of tension. And we're so often stressed in everyday life. We don't need to go on a run where we can kind of clear our head and feel kind of free and then make ourselves more stressed by feeling like we need to go faster. You know, I, think it, I think it can, you know, just be another place of tension for some people because yeah. it becomes worrying about the splits all the time or, you know, rather than a, a release of tension. It can be an amazing place for clearing tension, as, as you know. Yeah. But yeah, it can be another another source of tension. <laughs> great when you see kind of results from doing long, slow distance, because I remember, I mean, this is just before I had a little bit of a foot, a little bit of foot issue, which we're working on at the moment. Um, but I did a 5k park run at Cramond Beach, which all my friends at Edinburgh will know it's um, just a few miles out of Edinburgh and they have a really fast park run so it's super flat it's quite windy on one because you go out and back so one way is a bit more windy but it's fine and I hadn't done any fast runs any intervals and yeah I hadn't done any, any runs really under like 5.30 pace per kilometre which obviously everything's relative I'm not saying that's a slow pace but for me that was that's not me pushing myself and I did that 5k I got so close to 20 minutes and that's like four minutes per kilometer and and obviously like I pushed myself hard and I was exhausted at the end but it, it I just knew I could get under 20 and and I have run an 18 minute 5k you and you will get under 20 well you, so you say you've run 18 something but yeah you will, you'll go under 20 towards you and it was there and it's still there these things don't go no, it is but it shows and it is there but it shows that I don't need to do these crazy interval sessions and I love intervals like I'm sure when I when I kind of get to a place where my running is is back with me I will love doing training interval sessions but it's great to know that I could run that pace without having to like impact my body so much throughout the week in my just general life I know it's it's an interesting thing because you uh trusted me to run slower it takes a lot for people when they're caught with pace it takes a lot for them to back off and run it six minutes a kilometer and all of that but it works it absolutely absolutely unequivocally works as you saw yeah it really does but also I've run that park run I ran the Cramond one I went up to visit my brother in Edinburgh and and can't remember what time I ran on it towards you I can't remember anything much about it other than that I know the I know the course <laughs> it's a flat fast run yes yeah, great. yeah I did it with my cousin's um wife Irene and she's a great runner she was she was ahead of me I must say uh, I think she got 19 something, but it was very, it was windy. So we were both kind of like, oh, we wanted to go a bit faster, yeah. <laughs> but very fast. Um, so something else that you've loved to do is barefoot running. And I'd love to get into this. I think some people find this really interesting. So you said you ran barefoot from a young age, I guess then it, it started to kind of not become as present, right? You started to run in shoes a bit. Yes, because uh, essentially once... Um, I had to go and run the Motspapa track. And Motspapa track in those days was a cinder track. <laughs> so that's not great for barefoot. And then I started to run cross country. And, you know, my first international was as a cross country runner. So I was wearing spikes there, obviously. And um, and then I, I just, you know, was doing loads and loads of training. So my first training shoes were the SL72s, the Adidas SL72s. And um, they're very light, though. And... So through the 80s, when I was running internationally, I ran in very light shoes. I ran in Nike sock racers and uh, Brooks, very, very light shoes. But I did get very injured 
in my running career because I did push very, I mean, I never pushed as we've just said, I ran easily, but there was a dynamic within me that was pushing. So there was the inner striving to somehow self-actualize that drove me on and to somehow be looking for approval. That inner tension, that inner dynamic, when I look back, that created tension in me and this kind of, you know, pressure. And I used to put very, very high standards for myself. So there was a kind of mixture of my own very high standards, but this inner dynamic that I took quite a while to work out of somehow looking for this, this approval that um, you're never going to get. This is what obviously I learned, but um, so I got injured throughout my career. And by the time I was 33 was probably the last time I ran an international and then through my 30s I didn't run as much and I did lots and lots of work um, and I was working in London so I didn't look at my running too much then when I was 37 38 I started to run again and I ran very well again very fast again but my injuries bit and so when I was this bit of a long story this is a thing with having a long life <laughs> so, so then when I was up 41 ish um, I had to get orthotics. This is a long route to tell you why I'm barefoot. So I spent hundreds of pounds on orthotics because I was in so much pain with a lot of back issues, a lot of injury. However, I did say to myself, my mission was to get myself out of them completely. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. And, you know, get myself back to being able to run. 
what you've helped me learn is just speaking about this injury and how it's kind of got that that is kind of resultant of that push dynamic within us um you've helped me realize that because i think for me the reason i kind of am so vulnerable to injury is because i used to get so worried about my racing and about how i was doing in my running that my body would kind of i think give me injuries to protect me from the running even though i loved it and we kind of call it like my nemesis but also my like salvation that sounds really crazy but <laughs> you know what i mean in the sense that it was something i loved to do but because the racing and the times and the training was giving me so much anxiety and worry about like how i was doing how i was being perceived my body would be like okay let's give her an injury and then she'll she won't have to run we'll save her from the running it's really interesting when you look like that and i really do think it is it is to do with that i think that it's where our tensions revealed and of course if it's something that you really love then it's an even more of a place where you're going to be prepared to look at the the deeper um pain the deeper tension within us so i think that the body will cry the tears we're not so it's a place for because because running was a thing that i love so much it was a place where i would go in and investigate the unhealed wounds within me the yeah un, you know the, all the things and so it's an, a place if we are willing to investigate because sometimes people will just feel upset that they get injured. But of course, if we view it as a place of, you know, something that's revealing something for us to go into and look at how we can heal, then it can be a gift. And I mean, it might not feel like it, but, um, you know, I've had a lot of injury and it's been very revelationary and have no injury now. And I'm free running free at 61, but I was very injured at 41. I, I think something that's so key on my journey is learning. And I think this is at the core of my kind of work with you, Ju, is that it's learning to perceive pain in a positive way as something to go into. And it's very difficult. We're, we're I mean, it's taken me a very long time. I'm still very much doing it. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's learning to kind of, yeah, see the pain and kind of speak to the pain and be like, okay, what's actually happening here rather than just getting really upset about it, which just causes more tension within us, doesn't it? Yeah, the thing is, you've got the intention towards you and knowing it, then therefore it's an ongoing journey. And that's the thing. Having the awareness is the key. Then you've got the awareness of investigating. And it's just, as we've always said, the patterns can kind of unravel. I was always an investigator of all this and knew that it was something that was something deeper. I knew it right from a young age that it was something I had to investigate. It didn't necessarily mean it, you know, resolves quickly. Um, it was just an ongoing, an ongoing journey. And the, yeah, so it was about 10 years ago when the Born to Run book came out by Chris McDougall. Oh, yes, I, I interviewed him for a podcast because I was doing my podcast then. I was, I've been completely barefoot now for four years again. So that was 2016. So it took me six years. And I had a few injuries because I'd, you know, I went into barefoot shoes and then I was feeling fantastic and everything seemed to be going well, but clearly my body wasn't ready because yeah. then I had an ankle injury and I had a calf injury and, you know, those kind of lower limb injuries that meant I backed off again. And, you know, I just, it just took its time. And then I was on the beach in Lanzarote and the surfers were warming up to do their surfing in their bare feet. And I was like, I wonder, and I started then to run on the beach in my bare feet and I didn't have any pain in my back. And then I went, right, I'll let go of any, any, any 
thought of racing, thought of any, you know, mileage or anything. And I'll just let my body get to run barefoot in its own time. So then I've been barefoot ever since. We always speak about this thing of running free. And I think for you, this kind of was kind of like the culmination, wasn't it? it, That this allowed you to run free? Yes. I think my whole life's journey has been to re-find how to run like a child again. So as a young, very young child, I was free. I was free, yeah, right up to 16, 17. And then it started to tip out. Lots of things happened that, as I say, always, this was part of my life. I don't blame those things. I think they were part of my journey. But it definitely tipped me out into running, becoming a place of much greater tension. And although I had some great results and some great achievements and all of that, I'd lost the spirit of running. And it was more, I was more caught up in my ego and the need to achieve and to get good times. And as I say, look for some sort of approval. However, I always was on that journey of knowing that that um, expressing my spirit and freedom in running was what was more important to me than anything. And as the years have gone by, I would say that now, as you said, Torsi, I'm completely free. And I think the barefoot was more an expression of me finding the freedom, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. The feeling of freedom in my body and freedom in my spirit really is the key. And it's just learning to find that fun in running and racing and competing. I think that's what we always try to speak about together is like releasing that need to push and achieve just makes running fun. I think it's very key to not have an attachment to the outcome. And the only way we can find out if we haven't got an attachment to the outcome is to have a goal because it's fun. And this is, you know, human beings are always rising up. But of course, the goal is fun. Um, but if we get an attachment to it, then that takes us away from the present. Exactly. And so really and truly, it's just all the time finding out if we can really surrender our surrender our acts to whatever happens you know allow them to come out of us allow them to express i'd love to speak about your barefoot across spain challenge (laughs) i've got some statistics here guys are you are you ready for these statistics so you ran across spain can you just quickly tell me where from where to where the one says in the north quite near bilbao and then i went past madrid right through the middle and finished in almineca which is about uh just east of malaga okay so (laughs) Julia ran this entire distance in her bare feet and she was fundraising for Friends of Sussex Hospices which is amazing and she ran 84 miles which is 135 kilometers a week for seven weeks which equates to 20 kilometers a day roughly a half marathon a day for seven weeks we've spoken about this but I'd love to kind of readdress it what drew you to do this challenge and I like to say jokingly that my feet decided I tend to allow um, ideas and things to arise from me. So I tend not to use my mind nowadays to plan things. I tend to have ideas arise and follow them. (laughs) So this idea arose and I followed it. Now, the reason it arose, I was taking a few months off my work. I saw a podcast of a lady who'd run across Wales in her bare feet and that had been a 50 mile journey and I thought oh why don't I run across Spain I was I was in Spain at the time and I said to Nadi my husband um oh I think I'd like to run across Spain in my bare feet and he said oh what a good idea and so so that was it so it arose from that and then I asked Maggie and Jack who were friends in the Alpujarras and Jack's 
brilliant geographer and they were British but they knew Spain brilliantly whether they'd be my kind of support vehicle if they were interested and they were unequivocal yes and that was it really that was it it all unfolded from there <laughs> Our mutual friends, which is actually how we came in contact with the Richards, they came and supported you, didn't they? I went to school with Antonia, my parents are very good friends of Wendy and Tony Richards, who are, who are kind of how, we, how me and Julia kind of came into contact. So, so that's kind of how it came to be. How was it kind of physically, mentally and spiritually? Well, physically, it was very, very hard. <laughs> Is that long enough answer? I had it was an incredible thing because I had people, as you said, came out. So I had, apart from three days when I was on my own, except for Maggie and Jag, um, I had people coming out from the UK and Spanish people in various places running with me. Um, so I always, always had uh, lots of people physically very hard on my feet, very, very hard. Also, we had the beast in the east or whatever it was, that awful, awful, awful um, weather that hit everywhere. And so although I set off in March the 23rd and I thought I'd finish on May the 12th, I was doing that to avoid very hot weather. In fact, I had very cold weather. So I had snow and I had rain and I had cold for probably the first four out of the seven weeks. <laughs> so the weather was really, really bad. So I'd say, it was very, very hard, but very amazing. And, and I just stayed literally in the steps. Mentally, I just didn't think. And I didn't start to think any stories. I remember Tony being very worried about me because my feet were bleeding. <laughs> and he was going, you can't do this, what's happening? You know? And anyway, strapped my feet up, ran with strapped up feet. You know, it's, um, I, just, I just didn't think. I think the thing is that I didn't think. I just stayed with the, what was happening. Yeah. And, so, and spiritually, yes, it was a pilgrimage. It was a step by step to being absolutely present with myself, present with everybody around me. Never, ever, ever did I get bearing or anything it was just absolutely it was very difficult it was very very hard but very amazing so you and Anadi have had an amazing time together and he's incredibly supportive of you and you went on this amazing nomadic kind of journey <laughs> traveling the world together which I'd love to get into also I'd love to get into it in the terms of something I really struggle with is and I really want to get better at is minimalism in the sense that yeah, I'm very, very sentimental of belonging. So I kind of attach a lot of kind of memories and emotion to specific things like clothes. Like I love fashion. I would love to be able to kind of shed some of this need to have things. And I, I just think it's amazing because you just kind of, you, <laughs> I remember at one point you were carrying all you needed in your life in a backpack. So it is a very natural orientation for me. So for me, I've never really wanted to own things and I've never had very much. And I've always, you know, been able to move house with a few plastic bin liners and things, you know. So when Anadi and I, we were in Santorini and he just said to me, oh, let's travel more. And I said, oh, what about my work? Because I had a practice in Eastbourne, everybody coming to me. Then I said, oh, well, maybe, you know, we'll be able to just go away for longer periods. Anyway, three days later, I said, look, if we're going to travel more, why do we need to own anything? And he said, um, I'm up for that. And that was literally it. That was the August. By the December, we'd shed everything. And I already had a house to sell. I didn't even have a property to sell. At the time, I was just renting a flat. And Nadi sold his flat. Um, I sold my car. Other than that, and I think one fabulous coffee table. But other than that, I gave everything away. And then I lived like that for six years. And, and Anadi too, but Anadi was in the UK more. The year 2018, when I was running across Spain, he'd had to be in London more. But it was only last May that I 
you know, really it's only last September and actually it's worked out quite well. I'm in this flat in London. I still don't own very much. The things that I've re-got is a few more books because I love books, but I still could very quickly gather everything up that I have. But it's kind of worked out quite well that I ended up just my, my soul kind of brought me back to the UK. I just had this knowing I wanted to come back. So I'm back at the moment and it's actually quite worked out quite well to be locked down here rather than Spain, to be honest, because I was in Spain a lot. Yeah, of course. And and actually to have a flat to be locked into (laughs) rather than nowhere. (laughs) Interesting, actually, that your soul kind of brought you back to it. And then now this has kind of happened. It kind of all seems to work out. And it's, I love how kind of aligned you and Anadi are. I love that you could just have that little conversation. You were like, okay, we'll just be nomads. (laughs) You know, like, why not? (laughs) Yeah. In lockdown, you've been extra busy because Julia works with a lot of people and she's an amazing coach or mentor. People call you various things. <laughs> I'm called all sorts of things, aren't I? <laughs> you work with um, hundreds of people of all different ages and it's kind of an amazing way of showing how you've, by overcoming challenges in your life and developing skills, you've allowed to kind of individually grow and then collectively share what you've done, which is amazing. And you've had a lot of work in lockdown, haven't you, I think? And yeah, in lockdown, everybody's... Li- lots and lots of people have needed me, which has yeah. been interesting. My nomad life really prepared me for it because I um, was working online all the time when I was a nomad. So I'd sit in hotel rooms all day on, you know, um, Skype or WhatsApp video or whatever it was. Yeah, and so cool. it's the same now. I'm done the same. I just sit working with people all day online. So it's, I was very prepared for it. And it's great that kind of technology has allowed you to continue all your work. Well, this is it. And it allowed me to be a nomad, of course, you see. Yeah, of course. It's the same. same. So really, I don't feel any different in some ways to being a nomad because it's the same. You know, I really only ever saw Nadi when I was a nomad or I was on my own. And I only would go out running and go and, you know, maybe have a coffee and things. But it was a very simple life. And this lockdown life reminds me of very much of um, my nomad life. It's the same, really. (laughs) You've had some amazing projects in your life as well. You've written a few books. You've written, correct me if I'm wrong, you've written Running to Learn, Running Sussed and Girlfriend for a Year. So kind of different, different topics being addressed, I guess, throughout. And very much you love to like share your stories to help others and kind of provide support, which I love. You know, I'm very happy to be open about my stories um, with a view to sharing with reference to them being other people can relate to them. And that's the kind of intention. They're fantastic. I've read um, Running to Learn. I love that title. I think it's great. You've also come on to this new project during lockdown, which is your Facebook page, which is fab. And you kind of post... Um, daily videos like where you're answering questions people have asked you or you kind of write blog posts I love your blog posts because I can tell you just kind of woken up and you're like this is what I'm going to write about and you just do (laughs) (laughs) can you you can see that can you yeah because I do yeah it's conversations with a bodhisattva and it's a Facebook group which obviously anyone can join if they're on Facebook so please do join it's amazing I love it my morning routine I'll like get my coffee I'll be like all right I'll go listen to Julia's video (laughs) (laughs) I get I get the members of the group to ask me questions don't I and they everybody yeah. asks me all sorts of complex questions it's definitely been helpful and you kind of address some like difficulties people are facing whilst kind of being in lockdown like it's a time for self-reflections I think it's lots of people are kind of 
starting to become a bit more aware of areas that we have tension I think especially in relationships and yes everybody <laughs> locked in a house together <laughs> yeah, like within the family or within with a like romantic partner and stuff and I think it's great I think and I'm sure obviously people are asking you questions on this group I'm sure many people who are watching would have been like yeah that's a question I would want to know about <laughs> yeah, yeah that's what I've discovered oh it's been so good to, I could honestly speak to you for ages <laughs> we've done like a 61 year life and very very well we've managed to get it all in so I have these um three questions that I ask all my guests at the end of each episode and I think they're just quite fun to kind of learn a bit more about you but also I feel like every time I've done it I've learned something as well so the first question is is there something that you do every day to make yourself feel your absolute best I think really for me it's just about being completely present with myself and with everybody I, I meet. Like long enough. <laughs> and I think that's something that it's really beneficial and just removes like fear. I think so often when we're living out of fear, we're just not living presently because we're just worrying about what could happen or what might be happening. Yeah, it's just learning to remove those stories of what's not actually happened yet. I think people live in the mind a lot, but and think they are their mind. But of course, the more we're able to witness and be present, then it's very different. Exactly. Amazing. So the second question is, is there a goal or a way you want to grow in the next year? I think my whole life, all I've ever wanted, which is a kind of oxymoron, I think, is, is clarity, silence, spiritual growth. So that's the same. It's always been yeah. never, ever really wanted anything else. And the only thing my ego got caught up in in my life was my running. And that was why I was aware of it as a big challenge to bring me back because I could see when I'd gone out of alignment with my spiritual path, which was just for clarity and silence. Always. Yeah, and we, we always say, because I'm, I'm a massive goal setter, but <laughs> like we were saying, it's great to set goals, but it's not about becoming, becoming attached to the outcome. Yeah. Awesome. So our final question is, is there a mantra or quote that you align to in life for positivity? Now I just come back to the breath. So I used to use them in the past to bring me back. However, now I don't really. Now I just come back to the breath. I love that. That's a really interesting answer because I love hearing quotes people have to kind of keep them centred. But actually, I think that's a really cool way to answer is, is, is using the breath as, as your kind of mantra. Because that's like our constant and it's, it's that bridge between the conscious and the unconscious because we're constantly breathing, even if we don't think about it. And by becoming more centered in our breathing and more conscious of our breathing, we kind of bridge that gap between the conscious and the unconscious, which is really cool. We can never be where we're not. So I think that nowadays there's a lot of information about spirituality and everything, which is obviously a good thing. But it also means that sometimes people want to make spiritual bypasses and you can't do that. You have to work through wherever you're at and, and be where you are. You can't get somewhere you're not because <laughs> there's, there's nowhere to get to. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much, Julia. It's been such a good conversation. I've absolutely loved it. Obviously. I loved it. I've loved it very much, Torsi. And well done. Well done for doing this. You're amazing. It's very, very fabulous what you're doing. Oh, thank you very much. Lots of love. Lots of love. such a joy to hear about Julia's lifetime journey with running and how this has influenced her life today. Sending love and light to you wherever you are. Have a beautiful day.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.